Uh, our uh, Old Testament reading this morning has not to do with guilt and shame. Uh, not, all, not all of the Old Testament is about that. Um, in fact, very little of the Old Testament is about that if we really read it. Uh, this morning, uh, our selection is from Exodus. It's the beginning, uh, well, the verses 2 through 7 of the 19th chapter in which um, we are with the Israelites as uh, they have now been released from their captivity in Egypt um, and they have ventured on and uh, we hear what took place at Mount Sinai. So I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. They, the Israelites, had journeyed from Rephidim entered the wilderness of Sinai and camped in the wilderness. Israel camped there in front of the mountain. Then Moses went up to God. The Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the Israelites, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession out of all the people. Indeed, the whole earth is mine. But you shall be for me a priestly kingdom and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the Israelites. So Moses came, summoned the elders of the people, and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. And our New Testament reading this morning is from the Gospel of Matthew in the ninth chapter, beginning at verse 35 and concluding at 38. Uh, again, I would invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and curing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. These closing Verses that we just heard from the ninth chapter of the gospel according to Matthew. They are a, a part of a longer suggested reading for today from the revised common lectionary. I've chosen, however, to stop here at the break between chapters because I want to take some time to ponder the weight of what was just told the reader's of the first gospel. For though succinct, there has been a, a very profound claim just made and a call issued. And I think we ought not to rush past it in our habitual hurry, both outside and even inside the church, to get to what's next. Which may be, by the way, a one gift, if you want to look at it that way, that the global pandemic has given to us as a nation and as a world. Whether we like it or not, and mostly I'd say we don't like it, this extraordinary public health crisis has caused the majority of us to downshift. A slowdown 
was imposed on most of us as we were restricted from work, from shopping, from school, from worship services and more. The whole rhythm, the, the whole pace of our lives has been altered. For most, though not all people, this has meant that things have slowed down a bit, whereas we have been accustomed to rushing from one thing to another to another. There have been less things for us to be rushing to, and consequently, a bit more space to breathe. Unaccustomed to this, many have struggled with how to fill this new empty space with, with something, but others have embraced the chance to be still and to reflect on God's goodness, mercy, and presence in the midst of the world's pain. And this happens to be the, the very same reminder that God has been sending to us, his people, over and over and over throughout our covenant history. When he met Moses there on Sinai, when he gave the promise to Abraham and Sarah, when he sent us his son, all these reminders of his goodness and his mercy and, and the presence of God in the midst of the world's pain is from everlasting to everlasting. In the words of the psalmist, God is our refuge and our strength, the very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea. Here in Matthew 9, Jesus is all about making this life more tolerable. For I believe that the kingdom of heaven is not so much a place as it is a thing. It is a state of being in closeness to God, not just as in closer proximity, but as in closer alignment with who and what we were created to be by the perfect will of God. I think God, the archetypal good parent, wants the best for us, his children. He longs to bring healing then to a world which we have so thoroughly messed up. He longs to offer comfort and healing, both in the right here and the right now, as well as in the great by and by, as we say, for all places, all times, all dimensions were made by this same God, and they're all being redeemed from the imperfections that sinful humanity, acting on behalf of the powers and the principalities which promote it, have introduced along the way. And this, this great act of redemption, of healing and salvation, all of this has at its center and its core Jesus the Son. This is why, in his divine perfection and his alone, that such powerful acts, as those described in this morning's reading, could against all odds, logic and reasoning be accomplished. Curing every disease and every sickness, we are told here in Matthew 9. Who ever heard of such a thing? Only the one with the power to make it so. And the thing is, that hasn't changed. It is still Jesus who is the only source 
of the healing for our every disease and sickness. Our diseases of Ebola and SARS and swine flu and coronavirus novel 2019. Our sicknesses of greed and power and hostility and racism. They all need to be brought to the foot of the cross. We who bear them all need to be brought to the foot of the cross. For that is where indeed the only source of true healing in this world or in any world is going to be found. Sure, we can produce antiviral agents and vaccines. We can concoct policies and legislation. But those are all band-aids. Topical treatments for a systemic disease that has afflicted us all since the fall. God has been and will continue to be actively working to reverse the curse that humanity has inflicted upon itself. And that's what we need to be reminded of and what we need to keep reminding the world of. At the same time, I think it's vitally important to note that in this text, we are also given a role to play. We're not to idly sit by and let God do all this work while we ignore everything but our own needs, our own wants, our own desires. That's precisely what we were praying God forgive us for in this morning's corporate prayer of confession. We may and we have received an invitation We've got an obligation to introduce others to the one who can, does, and will enact such perfect healing as described here. As we talked about last week, as today's disciples of the Lord, we are heirs to the promise, but also we are heirs to the Great Commission, where Jesus succinctly spelled it all out and gave us our evangelistic marching orders for the manifestation of the kingdom of God. It isn't the first time that he's told his followers about this work that remains here at the end of Matthew 9. is a, a prequel, if you will, as he teaches them that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Not only is Jesus inviting us to pray for disciples to aid in his cause of kingdom building, but he's also inviting us to pray that we would be granted the strength necessary to do our share as well. For make no mistake, there is work to be done. To quote Nelson Mandela, we must use time wisely and forever realize that the time is always right to do right. But far too many people, even many well-meaning and well-intentioned and very industrious people, labor their whole lives in vain. In his letter to the Corinthian congregation, the Apostle Paul notes this very important Concept, He says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. 
Aside from that work, however, so we can see that, that there's plenty of room for improvement in this world. And we are assured in the person and the work of Jesus Christ that he is actively involved in this process of setting all things to rights. We know the revealed truth of God's ultimate victory over the forces of evil, even the very worst of them, sin and death. But while we await that final consummation of his promises to his people of a new heaven and a new earth, we are called to be about demonstrating some of what it might look like as we work as his disciples. Now, I'm not here this morning or any morning, for that matter, to tell you what that looks like for you in particular. There may be those who think that I should be, that is part of my calling. I'm supposed to speak a prophetic word, an order to uh, get the sheep in line and to do this, that, or the other. But I rather think that in our Reformed tradition, the onus is not on the shepherd to bark orders to the sheep, but to call, rather, upon the faithful to discern for themselves how to take up their own mantle within the priesthood of all believers. Certainly, it appears appropriate for the minister of the church or even the session in our tradition to assist in the interpretation of Scripture and to act in accordance with a conscience that is captive to Christ, to make decisions and aid others in this same process, for to have any sort of a, an autonomous zone in the church it is, I think, an open invitation to worship of the self. But at the other extreme, to be automatons with every step ordered is to be slaves once again. Slaves to a law. And Jesus came to fulfill the demands of the law, which once for all, set us free. Hence, we are invited to work out our own salvation, as Paul wrote his brothers and sisters in Philippi, with fear and with trembling, and I would add with great reliance on the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us. Of course, however, we must be in prayer and we must be in trust that we are be being guided by the Holy Spirit, a spirit of truth and of power that is our advocate. I was, I was writing this week's sermon. It occurred to me that I'm really not saying all that much new today, that I might, in fact, be sounding a bit like a broken record. But if I needed convicting and reminding of this, then maybe, just maybe, somebody else did too. So don't despair of all the headlines and all the social media posts that decry the abomination of this world. Yes, admittedly, things are far, very far from how they should be, and they have been off kilter ever since we left Eden. But God knows what's going on. And God is, even now, 
working to manifest his kingdom right here in our midst. If we have eyes to see and ears to hear, yes, work can and should be done by followers of Jesus the Christ to make this the temporary home of ours a bit more like the world to come that has been described for us in Scripture. But that message, too, really is nothing new. Continue to pray, asking the Lord of the harvest to send out labor into his harvest. Uh, as an aside here, as I was typing up this manuscript, I accidentally, in this sentence, typed the word our instead of out. So this quote from Jesus, when I looked at it on my screen, read, send our laborers into his harvest. So there's another subtle reminder uh, that the workers for the Lord include these workers for the Lord. Continue to labor as you are called to hasten that day when every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. To whatever place, whatever work, whatever ministries you are uniquely called to. Continue to hope with the confidence of the redeemed that God is working all things together for good for those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. Continue to pray. Continue to labor. Continue to hope. I may sound like a broken record, but if I do, it might not be a bad one. And for that, we may truly say, 